0: Open for a what community sounds like. Stay. and fellow craft beer drinkers, welcome to Tap the Craft Podcast. My name is Denny Luce, and with me, as always, is my friend, the homebrew engineer himself, John Ream. And John, how are you doing tonight?
1: Man, I'm happy to just be having a beer right now. Right on. Yeah. It's been one of those days as a parent, you know, (laughs) kids testing you at every turn, one strangling the other, not caring about it, you know, it just... Whew. They're all in bed now. Wow. And I have a beer, so... We all survived. All right, all right. Well, here,
0: cheers to parenthood and to beer. That's what we need to cheers to right now. You're here. Here, here. All right. Well, hey, uh, before we get started with all the great stuff we've got, let's just kind of quickly go over what the show is all about to anyone new that has uh, decided to join us. On this episode. So, in case you're new to the show, Tap to Craft Podcast is an educational podcast and we focus around celebrating all things craft beer. We like to help people along in their craft beer journey. And welcome to the show. And you are listening to episode 59, and John and I are recording this on Sunday, October 23rd, 2016. And this week, we are going to discuss a newer hop variety. Yes, the Idaho 7 hop. You may have heard about it, you may not have heard about it, you may have heard good things, bad things, you may have tasted it and not liked it, you may have tasted it and liked it. But guess what, we're going to talk about it anyway, because it's a new hop, and it's in Idaho, and I'm in Idaho, and I want to celebrate everything Idaho. And also, we have another topic that we're going to discuss about the taxing of beer, and how complicated it is, and how... The taxes are kind of living in a bygone era when beer was something different than it is today. And maybe there needs to be some changes in how we tax our beer, especially for all those smaller breweries out there. And of course, we have listener questions and feedback. And if you can't help but love all the great beer banter that John and I have to offer back and forth, arguing about all kinds of stuff, craft beer. So thank you for joining us. Before we get on you know get into all that great content. John, please tell me. You already mentioned that you needed to celebrate with a uh, a good beer. So what are you drinking
1: tonight? So I'm drinking uh something from Grimm Brothers Brew House and it's the the Fearless Youth, which is a uh dark lager. Oh, okay. Um and uh, so far I'm enjoying it. It's got a little toffee, a little chocolate, you know, but it's easy to drink. Yeah. So, so so where's this Grimm Brothers from? Is it a Seattle brewery or a Washington uh, brewery? They are out of Colorado.: Oh, um, Loveland, Colorado. All right. so I just saw them for the first time at the shop uh, today.
0: So. Okay. and
1: and as your first taste of this brewery, are you impressed? Yeah, it's nice. I'm okay. not upset that I have another one in the fridge. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> very good. That's a bonus. It's always good yeah. when you try something and you're like, "All right, I'm I'm looking forward to the next one." Exactly. Yeah. So, how about you? What do you What do you have in your glass
0: tonight? You know what? I'm going to tell you, John. This is it's it's entering into my favorite time of the year, and anyone that knows me knows that is winter time, where all the winter warmers come out to play, and yes. I'm drinking one of my favorite beers. Not, not the burr like everyone was probably thinking, but this is Jubilee 2016 from Deschutes Brewery. And I'll tell you what, they knock it out of the ballpark again this year. Uh, we, I think last year we did, it was it last year or the year before we did a, a tasting note segment on the Jubilee? Do you remember? Was it last uh, year? Ah, no, no worries. No worries. Go, go listen to all the shows if you haven't it was, heard it.
1: <laughs> it was episode seven, it was our second tasting. No way! Yeah. Wow! How time
0: flies! It feels like just like yesterday we were third doing a third sample. tasting. Third yeah. tasting. Okay. Well, um, this this beer is still just fantastic. I uh, I'm on my last beer, the six pack. I bought the six pack last weekend, and I deliberately saved one so that I could drink it and t- just share it with everyone on the show because I just love this beer. So that's what I'm drinking. Have you had a chance to try the 2016 Jubilé yet? No, I haven't yet. Hey, hey, don't miss out. Get on the winter warmer bandwagon. It's here.
1: Yeah, well, don't worry. I won't let the check-in get away from me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, John, I know you've had a stressful weekend uh, parenting, but was there anything else since our last recording that you did fun, maybe beer-related or anything?
1: uh unfortunately it's been mostly about survival we had a cold that made its round through the family a couple times people have been sick and angry and tired and (laughs) i think we're just now coming out of the uh, other end of that so okay good i'm looking forward to the next couple weeks Uh, hopefully they'll be a lot better
0: (laughs) excellent excellent yeah i hope it's much better too and maybe you can get in some some good beer tasting or touring or anything i mean i I know. I mean, it's hard for me not to notice, John, that that you may have had a few samplings of breweries in the last couple of weeks, but nothing. I mean, I, I mean, I just see the check-ins on Untapped, and I see how you're trying to overcome my
1: greatness. <laughs> so, I, but but nothing that's worth mentioning, huh? Uh, I'm gonna mention one of the beers from from oh, one okay. of those. Okay, later um, on. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I did check out a couple of places up north um, of us in Kirkland. Uh, which I had. There's just two breweries up there. Uh, it's a pretty big city for only having a couple of breweries in it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty neat places. Cool uh, looking tap rooms. Uh, okay. So.
0: All right. Well, I will wait. You, you, I'm on the edge of my seat for a little bit later in the show when you talk about some of the beer you, you had at your tastings there. But uh, but you know what? Uh, I did do something fun. Well,
1: that's good. Somebody needs to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I went to a grand opening of a new brewery in the Boise area. And this is what's so what's so nice about this brewery that I went to. It's called Mad Swede Brewing, and it's the closest brewery to my house. Yes, the furthest south brewery in Boise where I live in the south area. And uh, now I'm only, a, you know, like five miles away from a brewery. And it's kind of could be on the way home from work type of a stop, too. And I'm pretty excited. They had their grand opening last weekend. And we went and tasted their beers and and had a good time. And I, I have to admit, I was impressed with their beers. Uh, the, the one beer, wait, do I have it on my uh, New and Noteworthy? Uh, nope, I don't talk about it on my New and Noteworthy, so I'll talk about it now. They had a Export Stout. That was fantastic. It was, it really reminded me a lot about, like, like very similar to what Rubens Brews has uh, as their export stout. Very, very nice, smooth uh, stout that's not very heavy in the body or, you know, thick like you would get for the, with a normal American stout. It was kind of a, you know, a little bit on a lighter, lighter side, but had, still had that great, uh, malt flavor and, and silky smooth finish I really enjoyed it I thought uh, that's a, a fantastic beer that I could just come into the brewery after a hard day's work get a pint of that and relax and just melt into the malty goodness so nice. it, yeah, it was a good time I'm pretty pretty impressed and this is one of the breweries that I really want to try to interview the owner I was planning on trying getting this interview like a year ago and I just haven't had time to sit down with him and, and chat but now that he's got his brewery open i'm thinking he might have more time to to devote at least an hour for me to sit down with him and record a conversation about his brewery and and how he wanted to start it in the Boise area and why he picked the area he did and and, and get a little insight on on uh, you know what his plans are and and everything on the brewery so i'm i'm kind of excited to do that i i need to just buckle down and make the appointment and and do it and share yeah, it with others. I that'd be you. nice. Yeah. All right, so John, since uh, you kept us in in waiting to talk about your beers, why don't you explain a few noteworthy beers that you want to talk about?
1: All right, and I'm just going to keep the tease going because I'm going to talk about the beer I mentioned earlier last. Okay. Um, uh, so I'm going to start off with uh, one that you were kind enough to, to – uh, Bring to Seattle, mm-hmm. and that's the uh, Sockeye Fresh Hop uh, Double Dagger. Yeah. Um. So, I, around the time you were here, I had picked up a few fresh hop beers. You brought a, a couple of fresh hop beers, another you know, hop forward beers. So mm-hmm. I was trying to uh, get through those. Yeah. Um, first, you know, as I, uh, you know, trying to preserve the hops, mm-hmm. which we've talked about. You know, you want you want that. But I poured this one and it was awesome. Oh um, good. It's piney, some tropical notes in there, a little resin. Um not really sweet. Didn't have any of that like cling sweetness or anything that you can get mm-hmm. in a in a double IPA sometimes. Um but yeah, I really enjoyed this. I think I I gave it four and a half um nice on cap, so uh, if you've been paying attention, you'll know that, that that's I, good. Uh, yeah. I mean, business for me. <laughs> yeah, <so>. it does.
0: <laughs> yeah, I um, I first had that beer probably two years ago, the first time they made it, and you're, it's exactly as you explained it. Big tropical uh, notes of uh, hops in there, it was fantastic for a double IPA. I, I I admit it's it's a good beer. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's why I wanted to make sure I grabbed the can of that for you, and I'm glad you had,
1: you liked it. Yes, I, and I did. Thank you very much for that. Um, and then th- the next one actually is kind of through you via <laughs> recommendation. Um, because I, I was at the, the bottle shop. They had two of the you know Grand Teton Cellar Reserve or mm-hmm. whatever they call them. Yep, yep. Um, Beers sitting there on the shelf. Uh, the last bottle of each one. Ooh. And... Uh, they had their double vision doppelbock and their uh, goza. Oh yeah, and I texted you and I said, "Which one should I get?" And I said both. Yeah, you said both. I mean, they're, they're not they're not cheap beers, you know. They're both uh, getting close to double digits, yeah, uh, in dollars. There, um, and I came home with both. Um, Did you really? Yeah. That the, <laughs> there was a couple other things I was looking for at the store, so I. I didn't at the time I saw them in my head, I didn't have room in the budget to pick them up, um, but they didn't have a couple of the other things, so I circled back and grabbed them both.
0: Okay, good. Um,
1: so I, I haven't had the Goza yet, uh, it's still in the fridge. Okay, um, but yeah, I had the Doppelbach, uh, it was really nice. Oh, yeah, um, I, I really enjoyed that beer, um, you know, some just nice, sweet, uh, Little little caramel, little uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of toffee character in yeah. there, um, but you know the sweetness wasn't overbearing. It you still wanted to drink it. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that, and I'm hoping we get more of their Cell Reserve stuff. Oh yeah, out here now that uh, it's made it at least once. Um, <laughs> they, they've been stepping up their distribution out here over time, so maybe this means we'll get more and more of the. You know, special things. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. I I pick up every single bottle of the cellar reserve stuff they do. I've done it. I have picked up every bottle that they've provided in the Boise area for like the last six years or longer. And the, the Double Vision Doppelbach is one of my favorites. And when you when you pressed me, I was joking around by saying picking up both, and you said that's not the question. That's not the, you know yeah, you're not answering I, That question. wasn't the question. Yeah. <laughs> so then I said if you had to pick up one. The Doppelbach is the one that I thought you would you would enjoy you get the most enjoyment out of because I know how you like box and that I thought this that one was the one that you would get the most enjoyment if you had to pick one or the other. But with that being said, I know you're going to enjoy the Goza also because it's a very well done Goza, a fantastic flavor in that beer. And I'm glad you were able to pick up both. And I can't wait to see how you enjoy the second one. And you're right. Every one of these that comes
1: through your area, you've gotta you've gotta pick up because they're really really good. Yeah, it's just a matter of being there at the right time to snag them. So, whenever they make it in the market. Um, so all right, now the the moment everyone's been waiting. All right. for the beer that I mentioned before, uh, and this is from Chainline Brewing in Kirkland, Washington, which is right next to like the Google campus up in Kirkland. Oh, um, so. Uh, you know as you're coming down towards like washington you know and, uh but um the the beer that i'm going to mention there they is their their barspin porter uh which just had huge chocolate aroma it was really flavorful um uh just the flavors just really popping in that beer uh the chocolate and everything i mean it just was very nice um Chris and I uh, were doing flights and we, like, fought over the taster. Um, <laughs> so, like, who could have all of it? Um, so, uh, but that that beer was very nice. Uh, they also had a, um, a Pilsner that they just won a silver for at GABF. Oh, really? Um, which was pretty nice as well. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, that one... Um, didn't get universal uh, approval from Kristen and I. She's not <laughs> a, a big pilsner fan, yeah, yeah. so. Uh, but this one uh, we both really enjoyed, uh, and I gave that one a four as well. Nice, so, nice. But yeah, I'll, I'll have to try to get up that way because we don't see the their beers down here that often, or at least I don't seem to see them down here that often. So.
0: Um, okay. Do they can? To, do they can their beers or
1: just uh, solely keg? Uh I don't know that they package okay. um except for maybe releases at the brewery or something. Okay. Um or they just don't distribute down where I normally shop. So Yeah, that could be. Um yeah. All right, Denny. So what what have you had that you wanna you wanna talk about? Oh boy, I, I'm gonna talk about four beers. I know we try to keep
0: it to three because if I keep if I just add everything I enjoy, I we could put this segment into like 30 minutes easily but i'm going to talk about four (laughs) because i only had three on my list and then today i drank another one i had to mention goes in line with what you were talking about on your noteworthy but we'll get to that last i'll keep you guys in suspension too or suspense but the first beer i'm going to talk about is one that i didn't think i was going to be able to try a, a beer from this brewery for a while but our buddy chris mckenzie out of tampa Florida. He uh, when he sent us a little goodie bag to give away uh, some stuff to our contest, he included in that goodie bag a, a a goodie for me. And it's a Cigar City beer and it's the uh Cubano style Espresso brown ale. And uh, it's a nice little can and I I busted that open this week and and drank it and thoroughly enjoyed it. Really really nice, you know, coffee brown ale, nice body and flavor wasn't too heavy it was a it was like a really nice l and my first cigar city beer was a hit i like it and i can't wait to try more of the beer i just wanted to make sure i i thanked chris i forgot to mention when i talked about him providing us those goodies last show i forgot to mention he provided me a goodie so i just want to make sure that that he uh you know sees that i
1: appreciate the, the gift so thank you chris Have have you had that beer john uh, no, not that one. Okay. I've had some other uh, Scarcity beers, but okay. not that one.
0: All right. Well, that's one unique I have on you. Excellent. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think we
1: have a lot of unique. <laughs>
0: All right. Now, the next beer I'm going to talk about is a beer that – and, John, you and I have talked about this brewery. It's called Midnight Sun. They're out of Alaska. And we don't get, I don't get a lot of their beers. I typically get them when I, either you give me uh, some of the beers when, when we visit or I pick them up myself when I visit Seattle because I don't get them in the Boise area very often. But this one I picked up when I was in Seattle, and it's the Midnight Sun Panty Peeler Triple. And uh, the name alone grabbed my interest. And then it, be, it being a triple, which you, everyone knows how I love my Belgian ales, I had to pick it up. Artwork is fantastic. It's this uh, kind of uh, cartoony uh, woman riding a reindeer, and she's throwing off of her her uh, bikini and underwear, like she just wants to be free, fancy free, which is kind of an awesome artwork. Uh, so I kind of liked the artwork, and and it, I, I went ahead and gave it a, a try. I'm glad I did because this triple is fantastic. It has some great flavor. It wasn't just a play on trying to get people to buy a, you know, a nice, funny name beer with a with awesome artwork. It actually was a solid Belgian triple inside that can. Even my wife, who doesn't like Belgians, Belgian beers, she actually enjoyed the beer herself. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, it had a, a nice clove, coriander, clovey f- uh, flavor and orange peel. The orange peel played perfect. It added a little bit of that. That kind of bitterness, I actually, now I'm trying to remember if this one had, I had a couple of different Belgian beers this week, and one of them was using like an orange peel bitter. I think this one had it in there, I think it was, I can't remember now, but regardless, it was a fantastic beer, and if you have a chance of getting this beer in your area, for sure go out and, and try it. And John, I think I looked, and, and you haven't tried this beer yet, If I didn't see it on your
1: check-ins, or unless you no. had it. I haven't, but uh, I did pick it up today.
0: So. Oh, excellent.
1: Um, I'll have it soon.
0: Okay, good. I think you're going to enjoy it. I I really liked it. I, It was fantastic. So go out there, guys, and if you can find Midnight Sun, grab the panty peeler. Even if it kind of seems like it's sex- sexist or playing against women, it's not really. The whole thing is about – I think what they're trying to get at is – hey, this beer makes you feel so good, and you just want to feel... How do you feel good a lot of times when you throw your clothes off, right? So you just peel your clothes off when you're feeling good. So, I don't know. That's what I'm, That's the way I'm looking at it. And then the other one is another Belgian-style ale. This is from Crux Fermentation Project out of Bend, Oregon, and we now get their beers here in the Boise area, and I'm grateful because I've so far I've really enjoyed everything I've had from them. And this one is their... Uh, their farmhouse ale and uh, again uh, classic farmhouse saison peppery uh, big uh, clover coriander thing uh, flavor in there i think this one uh, might have had a little bit of banana in there too i don't remember my exact check-in great flavors really solid uh, farmhouse ale and so if you can get crux fermentation project uh, go ahead and, and grab that one
1: Nice. Yeah, we get a little bit of their stuff uh, from time to time um, up here. I just picked up their fresh hop uh, pale ale today. Oh. And that, which was, which was nice. Oh, good. But I don't think I've seen the farmhouse, so i have to watch for that if it ever does pop up. Yeah,
0: it just came into our area. I mean, the farmhouse one just came into Boise recently. I I looked for everything new, and that, it just popped up, so I grabbed it when I saw it was, it was new. They also – I didn't realize I didn't have – One of their uh, double IPAs. I thought I'd had that one before, but I I didn't. When I came back home and checked, I saw that I assumed I'd had it. And I may have had it and forgot to log it. That's probably what happened. And now I need to go back and pick it up because I want to make sure I get to check in everything I can from them because I enjoy their beers and I want to make sure that uh, I don't miss any of the stuff that comes in. But they have great beer. So if you can get them uh, out, whoever's listening in their area, go ahead and grab them. And the last beer I'm going to talk about is another Grand Teton beer. And just like John, this is a Cellar Reserve. Just came out a few weeks ago. And it's their Wake Up Call Coffee Imperial Porter. And, again, this is another one of those beers that every time it comes out, I grab this beer. It's it's really good. And I'll tell you what, this one didn't didn't, uh, disappoint. I actually gave this a 5-cap rating, a perfect 5, because I think it... Has just enough coffee flavor and aroma that to get you excited, but without adding to any of the bitterness. And it it's an imperial porter, so it's seven point five percent ABV. So you get a little bit of a of alcohol kick in there, but you don't taste any of the alcohol. And it's a very very nice roasty porter with you know it, it actually stays in the porter range. It doesn't go you know too strong into the stout. So it, I think it does a real good job of of you know capturing that coffee and the higher porter almost stout but it doesn't have the body that the heavier body it's very more on the lighter side of the body even with that coffee in there and I really enjoyed it and, and my wife had a few sips of my 25 ounce uh, bottle also because she enjoyed it herself so John uh, look for this one in your area soon if you can pick that one up too all right, well done. Yeah, I think Kristen will really enjoy it. She likes the darker beers. You can even share with Rob since he likes the coffee beers too, right? Uh, yeah, he does. <laughs> okay, so hey, I didn't drag on too long with my new and noteworthy beers, but those are all great beers that, uh, that John and I shared, and you guys should go out and try to find them yourself if you can. Let us know how you enjoyed them. So, John, guess what time it is? It's time for you to share... Uh, how you've done in trying to catch up with me, and we both had quite a fury of uh, of check-ins in the last couple of weeks, and I'm curious to see how uh, we're doing,
1: yeah, and it pretty much got us nowhere. Oh, uh, no change, still thirty behind. So <laughs> oh just my like God. And mash each other.
0: <laughs> holy smokes. i I don't know how how many how many beers did we drink each? Do you know? This Thirty-one uniques. Thirty-one, and we broke yeah. even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, wow. we might have a problem. Uh, uh, okay. Well, good. All right, John. Well, keep up the hard work. I'm going to slow down. I can't probably keep up pace forever. So you have a good chance of catching up and surpassing me in the near future. So, don't give no, up. That's what, that's what I'm counting on. <laughs> All right. We had some feedback from the last show or maybe the show before that, even we don't really pay attention to when they come in. We just go ahead and want to provide a little feedback back to everyone. And first off, I'm going to start with our buddy Matt Helmer from the 40 cast. He's at devious Matt on Twitter. He's he wrote on Twitter, laughing my ass off at loose screws burp in the middle of the latest tap the craft podcast. That sounded very satisfying. And, I haven't. I actually edited the show, and I meant to cut out the burp. <laughs> and I told John I thought I I might even set in the show that oh I'll, I'm going to cut that out. And somehow it missed my editing, and so now I have to listen back and find out uh, how bad it sounded. But uh, thank you, Matt, for listening, and I'm glad that my uh, my extra gas from all the drinking we were doing uh, made you laugh. That's good. It's good to make you laugh.
1: Absolutely, uh, so Tom Joseph uh, left us some love on Facebook. Uh, he wants uh, more long shows, less pumpkin shows. <laughs> um, good news is that uh, we won't talk about pumpkin for probably at least a year yeah. unless there's some weird like spring crop, you know <laughs> yeah um but he he also says uh, I have a long commute, ramble on, so Denny's your man,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> so if uh, just to to let everyone know and and, and of course, Tom, uh, you know, being fairly new within the last uh, few months, uh, you know, John and I, we try to not let the show get carried away because we both can just, especially me, can just talk about beer and and get off topic and stuff. And we don't want to make all the shows two hours long and bore people. We don't want people to get bored. So we've been trying to keep them, you know, right around an hour to an hour and a half. But guess what? Uh, Once in a while, we do run loose and uh, and get a little bit longer and I'm glad Tom and you enjoyed our rambling on and maybe this show will ramble on too because I got some content and we may you know surpass that hour and a half for you this time too so thank you for listening all right we also had our buddy Tim Price he commented on Facebook he said hey you didn't include Michigan in the great american beer festival recap unsubscribe lol good stuff as usual guys i and you know what I do feel bad I didn't mention the Michigan ones because I know that we do have some great friends out in the, in Michigan that listen to the show. And uh, I didn't mean to diss you guys. And if I was smart, I would have go, went ahead and got the recap for the Michigan beers right now. But I'm not very smart. and uh, They won 10 total. Oh, did they?
1: Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, across uh, – I don't think anybody doubled up. I think it, there were 10 different breweries winning as well. Oh, nice. Um so I think Founders took one, Bells took one, uh a few others. Okay. So. Well thank you, John,
0: for doing my yeah. my uh recap there. And thank you, Tim, for listening. We really appreciate it. And we didn't mean any dis you know disrespect by not counting in the Michigan
1: beers. No, no. Uh so Buddy Chris McKenzie at Chris ChrisMcKenzie82 on Twitter posted uh, about an upcoming collaboration between uh, 21st Amendment, Stone, and Firestone Walker uh, called the El Camino Unreal. Uh, it's a 9.5% dark strong ale that drinks like an imperial stout with a hook. Uh, it has a firm bitterness and malt complexity with licorice, vanilla, and high alcohol esters. <laughs> so,
0: So, John... Uh, it probably had your interest until you read uh, licorice,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you know me. I was about to say I'm all in except for that licorice, um, but I'll still try it. Yeah, uh, those are three awesome breweries. So yeah,
0: no, I'm uh, I'm glad that he mentioned that. I didn't realize that that was going on. Now I'm going to look for this beer because I'm not a fan of licorice, but in a dark beer. If it has some notes of licorice, I don't mind it because I think it really kind of brings out some characters that, that, you know, makes a good beer. And, again, all three of these breweries, fantastic. I love a good Dark Strong Ale anyway. So, hey, I'm all for it. Why not? And I love the name. Now, this name may not mean anything to anyone that doesn't live in California and knows that El Camino Real is basically a road that goes from north to south of uh, of California. And uh, it's obviously a play on the fact that uh, this is the El Camino Unreal, meaning that it's kind of taking a detour and going over to the coast to uh, hit uh, Firestone Walker, I believe is probably where they're we're coming with the Unreal. Maybe, I don't know, but it's a cool name. I kind of like it. And I don't know about the higher alcohol esters too. That might turn me off if it's too boozy. So that we'll see. We'll we'll give you a review on the show uh, if I get my hands on it. Okay, I wanted to do a, say a big old thank you to my buddy Bill Worley. He's uh, Vlad's hammer on Twitter. He's also part of the OFR cast. He's the producer extraordinaire that puts on that show, and he's always spreading the word and love of our show Tap the Crafts. And thank you, Bill. For all the
1: support you give us, we really appreciate. And finally, uh Aaron at a Riot PDX uh has started a Dayton Air uh Dayton, Ohio area craft beer social club. Uh so if you're around Dayton, uh or even very north Cincinnati uh, and you're interested, you can follow at Miami V Craft Beer for more information. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: Aaron is one of our new listeners and uh, subscribers to the Twitter and Facebook and everything. And it's great, or at least on tap. I don't think he's part of a Facebook yet, but he will, I'm sure, if he's got Facebook. But, yeah, he's starting a new beer club. And uh, I'm assuming the Miami is in reference. Is that where University of Miami, Ohio is that? Is in a Dayton area, John? Uh, no, no, it's not. So where does he get the Miami V? What does that mean, I wonder? Uh, that I don't know. Okay. I I thought it was really weird that he created a a beer club in Dayton, Ohio with with the name Miami in there. And he has a Twitter handle with PDX, which typically stands for the Portland uh, area in Oregon. So this is a – Aaron, you need to explain yourself. Did you come from Portland? Now you're in Ohio and you're fans of Miami, but you want a beer club in Dayton. Uh, Explain – how that all connects because now I'm interested.
1: I'm... Yeah, I think there's a Miami river or a little Miami river. So that could run in that area. Okay. Um, I, so it's right at the V. Before, Maybe before, I, lose, before I lose all my uh, Ohio street cred. And you know, <laughs> I could be completely wrong in here too. So. All right.
0: No problem. No problem. Okay. So we also have a listener question from our good buddy, David Makazuki at Yojimbo2000, and here's his question. He asked this on Twitter. He says, I understand what hoppy means, but more recently, I hear an IPA being juicy. What the hell is that? It doesn't taste like any juice to me. So, John, being the certified beer judge, when you kind of describe or hear a beer described as, quote, juicy, what,
1: what do they mean by that? So th- there's a bit of a, I don't know, debate around this right now, yeah. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, because, yeah, I mean, the, the first, like, intuitively you'd think, okay, so it's juice, it's like something fruit, you know, probably. Uh, but some people use this descriptor to describe uh, the really cloudy... Yeah. Um, Northeast IPAs Uh that are going around right now because they look like Like orange orange juice juice. full of pulp.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: (laughs) They're not, you know, clear in any way. Um, I sometimes um, use a juicy or like juicy fruit, like a, Mm -hmm. like the gum, you know, as, as a descriptor. Uh, So I think it's kind of about context, you know, if they're, talking about a beer that's super cloudy and you can't see through it at all. It probably more about the, uh, um, appearance and Mm mouthfeel maybe than it is the actual flavor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like it as a descriptor to describe like the flavor, I guess, or, or excuse me, the, uh, mouthfeel and stuff. I I prefer it as a flavor. Yeah. Um, but
0: they'll
1: yeah. uh, do what they do, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's just what you described, both versions. The same thing that I, I – I know that the, the the Northeast cloudy IPAs, cloudy beers, that whole thing going on is a lot of people say that's what they ex, ex, you know describe as the juicy, is that when you have that cloudy, almost Hefeweizen-like, uh, IPA, they they call it juicy. I am like you though, John. I tend to, to use the word juicy if I get a like like you said, like a juicy fruit or some kind of extra maybe fruity sweetness to it that kind of reminds me of juice. Um, I'll I'll typically kind of uh, use the juiciness as in that way of ex, of describing the beer. Doesn't necessarily mean it tastes like you're drinking apple juice or orange juice or pear juice or whatever. It just means that the flavor profile is not like a, a, you know, like a citrus. The citrus bitterness is more bitter, you know, would be bitter. But then sometimes you can have that, some the hops come across as a citrusy, sweet, juicy flavor versus more of the bitter flavor. So I can kind of, whenever I kind of get that extra maybe sweetness at the end of it, I tend to, describe that as juicy. It's the way I do it. I don't know if it's right or wrong. It's just the way I, I use that descriptor
1: myself. Yeah. 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 I don't know. If you don't know, and somebody uses it, ask them, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Hmm. Good idea. <laughs> Good idea. All right. So uh, David also posted an article to our Facebook page about uh, Japanese Kirin buying a 24.5% of Brooklyn brewery <laughs> to help, uh, It expanded its craft beer offerings in Japan and Brazil. Yeah. Um, So they're going to establish a joint venture next year in Japan to begin uh, offering the the Brooklyn brand over there uh, while planning to expand into Brazil in the future. Yeah. So that joint venture will be 60% owned by uh, Kieran and 40% by Brooklyn Brewery. Yeah. Kind of interesting,
0: huh? What's what's interesting to me, now, does the fact that they're below the 25 percent that means that it's they can still remain craft in the u.s right because this other company only owns 24.5 percent
1: well the the remain craft according to the brewers association yeah yeah. they're the only people that are really keeping track
0: Um, (laughs) that's what i mean
1: officially yeah (laughs) Uh, i think officially they can still be ranked in there you know unlike lagunitas and yeah uh, Smothers. So yeah, I, I just thought that number was very interesting that they they
0: literally kept it a half percent below. I don't know if that was part of the deal with Brooklyn. They said, hey, you know we we're all for this, but we don't want to lose our craft you know our craft beer tag in the uh, craft beer association. So we'll just make it twenty four and a half. But I, I don't know. I thought that was interesting that they kept it below the twenty five percent. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool that this Japanese distributor or hold, you know, it's a holdings company that does this, you know, these other beers that they want to try to bring in American craft more, you know, into to Japan, and and in Brazil. Odd that they they wanted to bring it into Brazil too. I didn't realize that Brazil was like a you know big market for maybe for craft beer. I don't I don't know. It just kind of was interesting. They I guess they must be big in Brazil, also.
1: Maybe, Maybe. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Well, thank you, David, for providing that article. I found it very interesting. I also did not see that one on my
1: own perusing, so it was good that you brought that to my attention. Uh, that's because they they were main craft, so nobody. Yeah, nobody. It.
0: Yeah, nobody <laughs> went crazy about it. Yeah, no, no big outrage. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, but you know what, David? He he didn't. He doesn't hesitate to go ahead and throw more articles our way, and he he posted another one. Now, this one was posted. At the same time he posted it on our site, it all of a sudden got posted all over the place. So it was like, I mean, he posted it to our Twitter and to the Facebook, and at the same time, I was getting multiple people posting it to us. So uh, not only David posted it to us, but a bunch of other people. I just David was the first one, so I was giving him credit for it. But uh, this one is, uh, he had an article about Stone Brewing, Laying off 5% of their workforce. And this was a quote from, from uh, Stone Brewing. It said, due to an unforeseen slowdown in our consistent growth and changes in the craft beer landscape. And uh, also quoted in that uh, the, the news release from, um, from Stone, it says, more recently, however, the larger independent craft segment has developed Tremendous pressures, specifically the onset of greater pressures from big beer as a result of their acquisition strategies, and the further proliferation of small hyper local breweries, has slowed growth. Now, this these quotes that I've listed on here were very, they they, they strung they, they kind of they hit a a spot with me that is kind of what I have been feeling might be happening and might actually be a backlash of of all these breweries that are you know now we've got the most breweries ever in the united states has ever had and, and there's got to be some kind of backlash and what's that backlash possibly what stone is, is describing is now people are leaning towards their more local beers craft beers and not going towards the stuff that they could get before before all their you know these breweries started popping up locally and they had no choice but to buy stuff that was coming in. Now, I think it is hitting some of the bigger breweries. You know, right now it's Stone. Of course, they did a lot of expansion going into the to Europe and and now going over to the East Coast into Virginia. And I mean, they did a lot of expansion. That may be hurting them that they they had a lot of capital. Um,
1: yeah, and I think this these layoffs were only at the uh, Escondido yeah. uh, facility, not the two new. Um, no.
0: So, yeah. But. Yeah, I think it was in their main facility, but it hit about 80, I think about 80 people got let go. And these people were ones that have been around for a long time, like from the beginning of Stone Brewing. Uh, and, you know, it just, it's, you know, I think they left on good terms. It's just sad to see that, that all of a sudden, when things were looking really good for Stone Brewing with their expansions and everything, that now all of a sudden they decided, boom, we're going to lose 80 you know, people that have been around for a long time, uh, it, it, it kind of, you know, kind of hints that that maybe other bigger breweries, bigger craft breweries, might feel a similar, you know, um, issue with their expansions and stuff. You know, La uh, you know, they may feel the same thing. I mean, they're, I don't know. You, I just, I, it just started to, to hit. This might be the first of many of these type of stories that we hear this year, or maybe next year.
1: Yeah, I think you are going to start hearing uh, at least slowed gl- growth for a lot of the regional um, type breweries and t- some of the bigger ones. I, you know, I, as big as Stone is, you know they're not at like Sierra Nevada levels or things like that. I am curious to see if Sierra Nevada is hit with similar um, issues, mm-hmm. um, just because they're kind of at least seem to be on another level. Um, you know, because a lot of these. Breweries that are getting bought now have access to a lot cheaper ingredients. They can start to break the cost curve a little bit, and you know, even maybe price that way. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think that's where you're gonna see a lot of pressure. I mean, they're the the store shelves are not getting any bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the number of tap panels and beer bars uh, is maybe getting a little bit bigger, but not at the rate that there are more breweries.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh,
1: you know, the small places with their own tap rooms, they'll be fine Mm -hmm. if that's where their main focus is. Um, but you're going to start to feel some squeeze if you're counting on all the distribution.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's exactly the, the issue is that, you know, we may be seeing cutbacks in, in distribution areas. If, those areas are already saturated with enough local beers that people are satisfied with. It's going to be hard to to break in and 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 make and have people purchase in quantity enough to keep that distribution, you know, viable. Uh, it's it's I don't know. It's, it's good and bad, right? I I like having stuff come into Idaho that from outside of the state, but I also when I'm given a choice, what do I buy when I go buy a six pack or whatever? I'm buying local. I really am. I mean, I'm picking up stuff in Idaho or in Boise, uh, and if, occasionally I'll pick up my staples of stuff I really enjoy. You know, winter warmers come in. Everyone knows that I love winter warmers, and there's a few that I I really enjoy every year. I'm going to keep buying those at, as seasonals. I want those to come in, but my everyday drinker beers are almost 100% from local breweries. You know, my Boise Brewing, or sockeye or payette you know i'll go and pick those up before i'll pick up a stone ipa or you know a six pack of them stone i'll pick up 22 ounce bottles of them but they're not going to be my daily drinker i'd rather drink my local stuff that in my opinion is just as good you know these don't get as much respect because they're not named stone and you know i'm getting all the the big uh,
1: uh
0: awards and stuff
1: Yeah, you know, I wonder if one thing we might see, uh, which Stone actually does quite a bit of this already, is um, some of these bigger players starting to uh, introduce um, more new beers or seasonal beers or you know, a bunch of rotators. You know, I mean, Stone puts out two or three different things almost. It seems like every month um, that you can pick up uh, outside of their main core. You Mm -hmm. know, yeah. Um, and that a lot of people are looking to try new stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can, Oh, I haven't seen this before. Uh, maybe you can get that t- to pick up. So I wonder if maybe you'll maybe start to see a slow on the, on the core and then they'll try to backfill that with some new special stuff new things. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. That, that's how you and I work, right? The, you know, the guys that look are always looking for new stuff, we're typically picking up a bottle or you know, one or two bottles, not not six packs. I don't. I only go with six packs of stuff that I know I'm gonna like, or from breweries that I know don't disappoint. I'll pick up a six pack, but for the most part, I'm picking up single bottles, whether it's a 22 ounce bottle or a 12 ounce bottle or a 12 ounce can, because I want to try as many new things as I can. Because that's what I'm. I'm always looking for the something that that you know. If I pick up a can or something I really enjoy, guess what? I'm picking up a six pack next of it because that's something that i really enjoyed and and you know that's the way i work i always try new things to try to find out something that i might want to drink more of so yeah i I, i'm hoping that stone will will continue to focus on the new um the the new beers new things to market
1: seasonal stuff yeah so uh Last bit here. Uh, Dustin Hoffman posted on our Facebook page an article about uh, AB InBev buying Northern Brewer slash Midwest Supplies, so getting into the homebrew market. <laughs> yeah, what do you think about that, John? I I, I want to hear your take, especially on if this is good or bad. Uh, I I'm more confused uh, about it <laughs> by anything or than anything. Um, you know, maybe they see it as something like, "Oh, hey, we can break." Yeah, you know, or lower costs on all the, this ingredient stuff. You know, uh, if that's a large portion of what they they do, you know, I have no idea what the breakdown is on their sales. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, but I look forward to those like Bud Light and Budweiser homebrew kits coming soon. Um, do you think that people are concerned that either they're
0: going to I don't. I, I don't know what they're concerned about. I don't know what the big that, hype is. Is everyone's yeah, up in the arms?
1: I'm not sure what the bad thing that can come from this, other than just the people that don't want their money going to AB. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of crossover, you know, with craft beer drinker and the homebrewer. Hmm. Um. So that might be the biggest sticking point. Uh, personally, I just ordered from Northern Brewer today because I. <laughs> It could combine a free shipping offer with a fifteen percent off fifteen percent off offer. Uh, get get some stuff. So Okay.
0: All right. So so you yeah. expect to have a, a a six pack of Bud Light in there too with it when you? Get Maybe. It back? Yeah, a new promo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, I actually don't buy from the online shops that often anymore. because mm-hmm. um, I can get anything I want locally when I want it. Yeah. Um, so uh but i could see this influencing some people um you know maybe there's going to be some business going to some of the other larger shops that wasn't there before
0: yeah yeah could be well i'll be curious to see what happens in the future maybe we'll be i'm sure there'll be more articles about this if it goes through and then if anything changes i'm sure we're going to hear about it so i'll I'll look forward to it and thank you, Dustin, for bringing it to our attention. And other people also, after Dustin, again, first one to to throw it up on our, uh, you know, throw it over to us. But then since then, there's been a number of people that's also thrown it our way. So it seems to be a hot topic right now. And hey, we'll see how it how it plays out. Well, great. Hey, I want to thank everyone who provide feedback for us, and also the questions and articles. And if you want to be just like them. Uh, you can also provide your comments and questions. You can reach us through our email address at tapthecraft at gmail.com. Or, like it, a lot of people did, you can do it through Twitter at tapthecraft. And, of course, feel free to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tapthecraft. All right. Well, I also want to just give a moment to thank our sponsor. Yes, Open Forum Radio Network. They provide the hosting space at openformradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we are sure you will find some other great content on the shows offered, like the following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer. And if you would like to consume
1: other great podcasts, check out openformradio.com. We house such podcasts as Openform Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win. I recommend just press Start. The
0: Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please, remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this
1: show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft.
0: All right, thank you, Larry, for the plug on Open Forum Radio Network. And now, I just want to briefly mention that we are having an iTunes, a contest and it's all focused around iTunes reviews and I'm not going to go in detail about it because I don't think anyone's really interested in winning prizes for our contest. So uh, I'm just going to say, Hey, we're having a contest, leave a review and we get 20 reviews total, not 20 new reviews, just 20 reviews total. Then one of the 20 of you will win a prize. And if we get 25, then two of you will win a prize. So, Hey, please just spend a few minutes and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. Well, now it's time for our Brew Buzz segment. And the Brew Buzz is the photo discussing all types of beer related topics. And this week, we are going to discuss a new hop variety called the Idaho 7 Hop. Now, this article, I'm, I'm actually uh, got this information from the Boise Weekly, which is a weekly entertainment magazine here in the Boise area. It's a free magazine that you pick up on a Friday. I think it's on Friday. And, you uh, you know, it tells you kind of what the, the scene is going on in Boise area. And, and they had a special edition, of a first time ever, called the Brew Times. And it was kind of an insert that was devoted to to craft beer. And I thought it was really interesting because it had a lot of Idaho-specific craft beer news. But some of the stuff also has to do with, you know, everyone in the nation. And this is one of the articles that was there. It was called The Lucky Number 7. Idaho 7 Hops, they're blowing up. And it's all about the new hop variety called the Idaho 7. And it's grown by the Jock, the Jackson Hop Farm here in Caldwell, Idaho. It's just about 20 miles away from Boise, just uh, to the west of us. And it's also right where all the – beginning of all the hop orchards, uh, right? Well, oh, hop fields. What do they call hop? Hop uh, farms, I guess? Is this called farms? What do they call? Hop yeah, farms. Okay. Where all the hop farms are in the uh, southern area of idaho so it began as an experiment on five acres but it's rapidly gaining traction both in idaho and farther afield for its easy on the palate citrusy flavor and they say this is an exceptional hop for dry hopping ipas and pale ales. it provides a tropical stone fruit with a little bit of pine now it's an interesting combination that some people like and some people don't you know i enjoy tropical and i enjoy pine so getting you know, a little bit of that both is not too offending in you know for me
1: it says the uh yeah i've, I've heard or heard that with hops that have kind of these dual uh flavor profiles mm-hmm. um because Simcoe is another one it can be citrus or it can be pine yeah um that a, a lot of times it also depends on when it's pulled off the vine yeah um, because the the relationship of the different compounds in the oil uh, will lean it one way or the other. It can also be dictated by the other hops in the beer and the overall makeup of the different compounds of the hop oils. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of play uh, with how those end up coming to to bear in the beer. Yeah,
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. So this is an Idaho original, the Idaho 7. It's becoming a signature hop for of course, one of the nation's largest hop-producing states, which is Idaho, which is nice. It's good to get Idaho, uh, you know, represented in the in the hop and the beer industry. Idaho Seven grew from an experiment into a hot seller in 2015 when Sierra Nevada rolled out the hop har- or the Harvest Single Hop IPA, Idaho Seven varietal beer. And of course, this hop is also used in beers here locally in the Boise area. Uh, we also have uh, Boise's Sockeye Brewing and Boise Brewing. They ha- And also the Delaware-based Dogfish Head and Lagunitas and others all use a variety of this hop or this hop variety, I guess, uh, which is interesting. So it's even locally we get a lot more here because it's a local beer or hop. But also Lagunitas and, and even Dogfish Head in Sierra Nevada, that's getting a lot of play uh, across the nation where people can try this hop. And even some breweries as far as Australia and Russia have purchased a hop to be used in their beers, which is pretty cool. It's getting a worldwide uh, recognition. At least people are trying it out.
1: Yeah, and I, I think uh, Russian River featured it in their single hop series as well. Oh, wow. Um, I think last year. Oh. All right. So a uh, little bit about Idaho hop production as a whole. Um so it has two primary uh, hop-growing climate zones: sunny reaches of the high desert in the south, and then a somewhat damper climbs in the Panhandle. Uh, the Gem State is ideal for growing the pungent beer ingredient and preservative. Yeah. Yeah, the high desert in the south is a uh, much more like the Yakima Valley, yes. yeah. where all the Washington yep. hops come from.
0: E- exactly, it's the same same type of climate. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, uh, according to USA Hops, Idaho ranks third in hop production nationwide. I would assume behind Washington and Oregon, if uh, I place my bets. But yeah, uh, Washington for sure. Yeah, I would say... why Washington's definitely number one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a matter of who filled that number two spot. Yeah. Um, it provides approximately 8% of U.S. grown hops and uh, 2% of all hop production in the world. Yeah,
0: so so isn't that interesting that it's the third largest... In the States, but it's only eight <laughs> percent
1: yeah well I mean, Washington is uh, a huge majority uh, yeah. of those hops, so um, although there's hop farms grow- popping up all over the country again, yeah, um, yeah. so uh, but but much of that production uh, actually takes place in that northern area, an area not like uh, Yakima um, in the north, that's where Anheuser Bush has their seventeen hundred acre uh, farm. Producing a, a variety of uh, European origin hops like uh, Saaz and Hallertau.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, and and that was interesting. Is that I guess that climate is more closer to what the climate is uh, in uh, Germany, where those you know hops I guess were originally from. So it's kind of it's kind of cool that you know even in in Idaho, which that's why I love living in Idaho, is that you have a number of of climates, uh, you go north into the Panhandle area, and you have a lot of different climates than you have here in, in the Boise area, in the High Desert area. So it's it's kind of cool that you can have two totally different climate zones that can produce, you know, hops that are, are different, you know, worldwide. So it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. So then down in the Treasure Valley in the south, uh, a lot of smaller operations uh, making use of the long summer days and warm weather. Uh, to grow hops that are higher in, in their alpha acid. Mm-hmm. And the alpha acid percentage, uh, the higher it is, um, the more bittering it'll apply to a beer for a, a similar amount of a lower alpha acid mm-hmm. hop. Uh, it's like the sauce hops, uh, which are grown in the north, um, so we have like 2 to 5% alpha acid content, um, whereas the Idaho 7 is 14 14% to 14.6%. Uh, percent. So giving it rich citrusy flavor it's made it favorite craft beer brewers.
0: Yeah. That's a big difference, huh? It's three times the alpha acids in
1: that, in that hop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is a lot of the super popular hops these days um, are getting up there in alpha. uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? A year after its debut, the Idaho seven hop is growing in more than 100 acres in idaho and also in a small farm in washington and in the future it may even expand into the willamette valley in oregon uh, which is another major hot farming region now it doesn't say it's the second so i don't know i'm guessing probably maybe Uh, i would guess it's yeah probably number two yeah i'll have to look that up someday um and uh, of course it just wants to let you know that 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 uh, climate in the Willamette Valley is radically different than in the Treasure Valley, which is true. The Willamette Valley is very moist, lot a lot of evergreen trees, a lot of uh, uh, you know, lot, lot cooler weather and more moisture there than we get here in the, in the Treasure
1: Valley. Yeah, so I just quickly looked it up um, in, in terms of this is in terms of acreage, okay um, So yeah, Washington is number one in North American uh, hot production. Uh, with thirty-two thousand acres. Wow! Plus. And that's uh, almost seventy-one oh, percent of geez. the acreage for the for the country. Then Oregon is number two at uh, sixty-eight hundred acres. Um, and that's fifteen percent. Then Idaho just shy of five thousand acres. Okay. So wow. all of other states combined twelve hundred acres. Canada two <laughs> hundred fifty-seven acres. Oh, so that okay. was for twenty fifteen. So okay,
0: nice, nice. Well. It is kind of cool to see that this experimental hop that started on five acres just to see what it was like, and what what's interesting I, is the uh, the hop farm owner said that he wasn't looking for a hop that was going to be you know mass produced and everyone's going to like. He was looking for something that he was going to go be able to create that's unique uh, for him and something that that he would like. Not something that was, you know, necessarily gonna be widespread and be the best thing ever. He just wanted to do something he he enjoyed. It just happens to turn out that there's a lot of people that actually enjoy the hop. So it's like a you know, it kinda of worked out both ways, which is it's cool. It's it's nice for someone to do something out of their own love and desire instead of trying just to make money off of it. He that wasn't his main intention. It was he just wanted to make his own special, unique hop and that's what he did. All right. So there's a few beers that uh, that are using the Idaho. Now, there's a, there's a bunch of one-off beers across from breweries across the nation. But because there's so many small breweries that I've never even heard of that have made a one-off, you know, single hop beer with this beer, you know, with this hop to to, you know, just to try it out. I'm only going to name some of the ones that here locally that are pretty good and you can get and also nationwide that if you want to try a beer that gets nationwide that has this hop Look for for that beer, and, and you'll find it. Uh, so the first ones, there's three from the Boise area. Uh, Boise Brewing has a Syringa Pale Ale. Fantastic, fantastic Pale Ale. The hop flavor in this is is incredibly, really, really good. Citrusy, uh, I mean, big, big flavor. I, I love that beer myself. I John, I almost picked up a bottle of that for you, and or, or did I bring you a bottle of that by any chance? Did I? I was going to pick mm. up a bottle for you and bring it, but now I don't remember if I did or not. But
1: no, not that one.
0: Okay, now I wish I would have, so you would have been able to try it yourself because it's a good a good beer. Um, also, local Boise brewing is uh, brewery is Edge Brewing. They have a I seven PA IPA, and Sockeye has a Fresh Hop Seven Jacks Pale Ale. So those are the three local ones here in the Boise area. If you live here, uh, I am sure you've tried. And John, what about some of the ones that uh, they can get outside of the?
1: idaho area yeah so outside uh the sierra nevada you know harvest single hop uh which i don't know they they tend to rotate those hops so maybe it'll come back again mm-hmm. um but uh yeah maybe you can seek it out or the uh Lognitas tuber fest yeah. which is out right now brand new one So one yeah. hitter i think One hitter series yeah it, did you pick that one up
0: i did i did i had it uh last week I and you had it too, right, John?
1: I, I did too. Yeah. What would you um, think of it? Not a great uh, Oktoberfest featured beer. <laughs> yeah. um For that sake, but it was. I, I found it to it was strong, malty, a little sweet. Yeah. Um, not not bad, but uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know that I would uh, use it to sell this hop. No. Um. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I. I thought it was a
0: decent beer to try. It's not a beer that I want to drink all the time. Uh, it did it did come across a little sweeter to me. Um, it kind of sort of resembled a little bit of that Oktoberfest beer that I had at, at Drew Brews. Uh, I think I mentioned it, it kind of came across. Drew Brew one came across with a little bit of a, I don't know, toffee or or smokiness to it. This one kind of had that. Similar f- flavor and profile, but I think the Drew Brew one t- nailed it better than this one did. The is kind of fell short for me. It's It was an okay beer, but it wasn't something that I just had to drink
1: a six-pack of. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and although there is a uh, an untapped badge for it right now, too, so... A, Is it really incentive?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Did I get the badge? Did I, did I actually drink it when the badge was
1: active or not? Now I'm pissed. Uh, I think so because I got it, and I think you had it after me. <laughs> okay. So okay.
0: Good. At least I got it badge. Unless you missed the
1: cutoff, you know.
0: <laughs> well, I've missed. I've missed it other times when they'd have a beer like that, uh, Aunt Sally's sour one. Oh yeah, you had it before. I had it, right before yeah, before I had it before, <laughs> so I missed the badge because I didn't go back and get it again. I think I was traveling at that time, so by the time I got back. From traveling it was already the badge was already done so I missed that badge it looks like people learned it today so you're okay' I think you're safe I got it then I got it well all right so I thought that was uh, an interesting article that just kind of highlights a new hop a newer hop at least I don't know if it's brand new it's a year old so you may have already tried it or if you haven't if you see a beer with it at your local brewery uh, give it a try let us know what you think of the hop you know, see if you like it or dislike it. I know that it's uh it's one of those hops that are like like John said, uh, depending on you know I, I think it depending on when it's picked and also how it's used in a beer can really change the way the, the flavor comes out. And uh, you know, you may like it or dislike it. Alright, we you know, for our booth buzz segment we have an additional article I want to talk about. Again, from the same Boise Weekly um uh, uh, brew times pamphlet you know special edition and this one is called drafts and taxes and this is uh, as idaho craft brewing evolves state and federal taxes stay stuck in the past now again this is kind of focusing on idaho but it also talks about federal and it just gives you an idea of of one state, idaho's state's uh, special taxing on beer and i guarantee that every state in the the United States has a different tax, you know, way of taxing their beers, and it's probably just as bizarre and just as hard on small breweries as it is here in, in Idaho. So I thought it was a good article just to talk about about the taxes. We don't think about the taxes when you're drinking the beer; you're just thinking about drinking the beer and enjoying it. But the brewers they got to put up a lot of extra hassle
1: uh, for this stuff. Yeah, and that they the rules vary for every state. And I think it applies even when you're, you go to sell your beer in that state, you're subject to those excise taxes or something, or maybe the difference. Um, Cause I know uh, wholesalers and other folks need to pay them for some states as well. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So this article looks at the brewing industry's growth in America, as well as the taxation of beer, both federally and locally in Idaho. So in 2000, the Brewers Association reported there was a hundred or 1566 breweries nationwide. That's, you know, 16 years ago. Up from the post prohibition low of only 89 in 1978. There was only 89 breweries in 1978 because, of course, right? It was illegal, uh, you know, to, well, I guess it was illegal to homebrew and it was, I, I don't know. Was it, it wasn't illegal to, I guess it was illegal to homebrew, so no one was homebrewing, so there was not the urge, I guess, to go and, and open our own brewery because you don't have any skills in brewing, maybe. I guess that's the whole kick on that. But, I mean, it's pretty amazing that we were down below 100, uh, you know, almost 40 years ago, and now we're up to 4,000.
1: Yeah, I and I think th- that period had just uh, signaled after a bunch of the macros had um, collapsed into each other, a bunch of... Um, acquisitions and such to lower the number. Yeah, true, yeah. true.
0: Yeah, so by f- 2015, that number had actually risen to 4,269, beating the historic high of 4,131 breweries recorded in 1873. And that still amazes me that in 1873, there were 4,100 breweries in the States. That's, that's crazy. Well, uh,
1: if you if you start to actually think about it, though, um, the proliferation of refrigeration, uh, you know, later on, allowed breweries to start sending things farther. So at that time, everything was local. So every town, yeah, had yeah. a brewery. Um, if if there was going to be beer around, you know, and that kind of thing, That's You, you true. couldn't send it very far, yeah. Um, and still keep it, you know, from spoiling.
0: That's true. That very good point. Very good point. So just to let everyone know, Idaho is a small state. So our brewery growth from 2011 doubled to 55 in 2016. So we, I just added up all the breweries. We currently have 55 breweries in Idaho, uh, which is pretty good. I mean, like I said, even in uh, 2011, I, I've been in Idaho since 2002, and when I first got here, uh, there, I mean, yeah, there was not a, uh, a a wide amount of Idaho breweries to choose from, right? We had Sockeye Brewing, which is what I drank the most of, and we had a couple of Table Rock, we had Highland Hollows, which is the oldest brewery in Boise now. Uh, we had a few that we go to, but there wasn't uh, it wasn't a lot. And a lot of the b- beers we got in, we were, you know, I was looking forward to all the beers that were coming into the state, and even that was difficult because. You know, we weren't getting a lot. We, You know, Stone came in about 2004. Um, I think Stone Brewing finally came into the Boise area. Before that, we didn't have Stone. I had Full Sail. I had Bridgeport, you know, from the Portland and uh, Hood River area. We'd get Sierra Nevada. We'd get um, some, you know, the Red Hook stuff in. Uh, we, you know, we'd, we'd get a, a few, and of course New Belgium was uh, big, especially back in the early 2000s. They had a, a huge ramp where they were getting distribution everywhere. So we had a small amount of beers being brought into Idaho, and none of the beers, the breweries in Idaho were, were canning or bottling, except for like Grand Teton was the only Idaho one that I would pretty much get uh, into the Boise area. Other than that, you had to go to the bar to be able to get these beers. There was no no canning and bottling going on back in, in the early 2000s so it's come a long way it's amazing how much it's changed and and again I, I say 55 in the whole state of Idaho it seems slow it is low but I'm pretty proud that we have you know that many almost half of them here are in the Boise area so I've got a lot of beer to choose from uh, I know John just laughs at me because in his county alone there's 90 uh, breweries and that's you know that's yeah a- <laughs> So, I mean, he's almost doubled the whole state of Idaho in one county of, uh, of Washington.
1: Yeah. We, we like our beer here, <laughs> uh, but a lot of those are real tiny too. So yeah. And uh goes hand in hand. Yeah. But, uh, while the industry has grown by leaps and bounds, it faces a handful of regulatory and tax structures that are as flat as a day old pint of IPA. <laughs> That's, flat. um, yeah, it's pretty flat. Um, You have a federal excise tax, uh, which obviously applies to any brewer in the U.S. Uh, Currently, uh, breweries that produce uh, fewer than 2 million barrels of beer per year pay uh, $7 per barrel on their first 60,000 barrels. Uh, Then for breweries that uh, produce more than that, uh, the tax jumps to $18 per barrel. uh, Same rate paid by, uh, you know, bud ab and veb all all the big big mm-hmm. guys yeah um that might sell as many as 97 million barrels uh, in a year <laughs>
0: yeah um,
1: it, it, amazing right that
0: that the guys that pay that have the most it should once you think it should be stair-stepping up even more the more you do it it seems like it's weird that it's it's low and then once it goes above a number it's it's almost triple that amount. You know, it's at least double, doubled and a half, two and a half times that. But it's that rate for no matter how much you beer you make. So even if you make under a hundred thousand barrels, you are paying as much per barrel as the big brewers that you know have all that excess amount. It does seem like maybe something, some changes need to come come around.
1: Uh, yeah, and I mean these laws haven't changed since the the seventies. Um, you know, even I, I mean this whole movement has exploded since then. Mm-hmm. You know, there there weren't all these really small independent breweries obviously since yeah. there were only uh 89 um at that in the Yeah, late 70, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Um yeah, uh but uh there's now a, a new legislative push. Um and these have come up from time to time, uh but this one seems to be making a lot more noise uh, than the the previous attempts. And uh, so the the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act uh, was introduced by Oregon Democratic Senator Ron Wyden mm-hmm. uh, in June of 2015, um, and this uh, seeks to change those rates to three dollars and fifty cents uh, for the first sixty thousand barrels, so half of that seven, and then sixteen dollars per barrel uh, for producers to turn out between sixty thousand and six million. Uh, barrels per year. Uh, the result, uh, backers say, would put $37.5 million uh, back into the smallest brewer's pockets and cut costs for those mid-size oper- operations by $36 million. Mm. <clears throat> So, For example, a uh, brewery producing 12,000 barrels currently pays $84,000 a year uh, in federal excise tax and with the new rate would only uh, be 42000 um, allowing breweries to reinvest in the brewery, you know, which the argument there will then be new jobs, mm-hmm. new, you know, all that. Yeah. New equipment, new jobs. Yeah. 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 Although I will say I, I have heard some opposition to this from small brewers, um, from very small brewers, like the, uh, you know, maybe a, a thousand barrel or maybe mm-hmm. not even that, mm-hmm. um, because they're, you know with how competitive craft beer has now become they're saying well great i can save you know two grand a year or three thousand dollars a year and the guy down the street is saving uh you know forty thousand dollars like maybe this example which they can actually do something with that money what am i going to do with two thousand dollars you know it, it, that amount doesn't really reinvest i mean brewing is expensive um equipment wise and all that um so, you know, as the market saturates within the craft beer, they're, they're starting to form, you know, different cliques and opinions of, of things because there are people all over the place in terms of where they are kind of in the, in the life cycle of a brewery, I suppose. So
0: Okay, well, if they want to put that $2,000... 000-
1: to the federal government, then feel free—they can even pay next like more tax if they don't if they can't use the two well, grand. I, I think what they're saying is this is only going to allow that guy to further, you know, the distance between us, right? Because uh, they can make that, for that forty thousand go a lot farther in terms of advancing the brewery. Yeah, but they've already put the Whereas investment. they can replace a pump or something.
0: Yeah, but okay. You, so, the, the
1: small guy didn't put as much investment into his thing as the mid-sized guy or the. No, I, I understand. I'm just all I'm saying is there are people out there in the craft beer community that are not for this, uh, which you'd you'd expect a universal kind of desire. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong. I'm just saying I didn't expect to hear yeah. something like that, yeah. and then I started hearing things like that. So it's kind of interesting that. You know that the, it used to be this huge us against the world mentality, and it, that seems to starting to be breaking down mm-hmm. um, with all the acquisitions, and you know it just be getting getting so crowded. Um, and you see it, you know, not only in comments here, but also with stuff like all the trademarks and everything else that that's going on. Um, breweries, you know. Defending their trademarks rightfully, and other people getting upset because they're bringing lawyers and other stuff into it and all yeah. that. So, you know, it, it's uh, definitely um, culture might be shifting a little bit. Hmm.
0: So, all right. Well, I'll be curious to see if this legislation gets passed and uh, and you know what happens if if the they do get the the cut and if the smallest breweries uh, that don't make a lot of beer. Um, are upset. I'll be curious to hear their complaints. But in my, in my, what I, I think about it is that the breweries that are producing more have invested more into their business. So thus they are going to save more because they're making more. They got a lot more expenses. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So I, you know, I, I don't, I feel for the small guy, but obviously their their market plan is a little different than the bigger brewery. The bigger brewery, you know, has different goals than the small uh, nano brewery has, for at least short term. I mean, hopefully the nano brewery will, you know, get to a point where he'll get some investors, and then he'll be able to
1: invest into being able to produce more, and then he'll start to see that that tax cut himself. Yeah, I wouldn't describe that just as a, a nano brewery problem. I mean, nano brewery, you're maybe going to get to 200 barrels. I mean, you a lot of the pubs and other places that even have a, a seven barrel system. You know, which is kind of the starter, I guess, in a real brewery environment. Um, I mean, those guys will probably be in that 1,000 to 2,000 barrel range. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll see as it goes on.
0: Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Well, you know what? Uh, the federal tax isn't the only thing they have to worry about because guess what? Once you pay your federal tax, you're going to have to pay your state tax. So let's just take a look at what Idaho beer tax is all about. And again, these laws haven't been changed since 1978 or whatever, you know, when when these things were all uh, brought into light. So the Idaho Code imposes a two-step tax structure on beer. And I think a lot of states do the same thing. They tax on different rates depending on, and this is alcohol in general, not necessarily just beer, but in alcohol in general, anything below a certain amount gets taxed at one rate and above gets taxed at another so the way that Idaho works is beers that are less than 5% alcohol by volume, the state taxes $0.15 cents per gallon, and that will equal out to about $4.65 a barrel. Uh, okay, so again, that's so now they're paying, what, what do we say, $7 for uh, for federal if they keep the current laws, and now another almost, you know, a little bit more than half of that in state. So, you know, now it's, you know, a good... 12 bucks a, a, a barrel uh, beers that are more than 5% alcohol by volume uh, which is again most of the the newer craft beers are at that tax rate because there are a lot of them are IPAs and things that are above 5% uh, that bumps up to 45 cents per gas three times the rate and that equals out to just under $14 a barrel which is equivalent by law to wine so it, it's the same – they're taxing beer above 6%, the same as they tax wine here in in Idaho, which seems unfair. I don't know. You, you go up from 5% to 6% and now you're tripling the, the tax on it? Kind of crazy. Of course, then you got to add the extra $7 onto that, and that's a significant amount for small brewers. I mean,
1: that's a lot of money. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I think a lot of states have moved – Away from the alcohol-based at this point, and a lot of them mimic the federal, um, like yeah, size volume, wise. Yeah. Uh, But uh, you know, they the by alcohol. I mean, that's kind of what. Um, I mean, that's what it was in in uh, the UK. It might still be in the UK. Uh, it's based on an alcohol percentage, mm-hmm. and it, it's basically uh, you know, if you want to go back to the, the syntax type stuff, which. Um, you can argue all tax on alcohol is a sin tax, but um, you know the the higher rates on higher uh, percentages was to tax the people that were, you know, go getting drunk or you know using the stuff that would get you there faster. Yeah. So. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. So there was an interesting thing brought up in the article too, and even though that these laws seem like maybe we need to. Make some adjustments to them, even go to like what John says go instead of an alcohol by volume uh, step, do it in steps of how much volume you produce, like we do in a federal. Uh, But you know what? There's a little bit of hesitation in bringing that legislation up in Idaho because it might just backfire. And, you know, maybe instead of reducing the tax, the tax might increase, you know, they might. Enable the tax to increase and make it even worse for small brewers. So, right now there is a, there's no pursuit in Idaho to change uh, the taxing rate of of alcohol because they're kind of a little bit concerned that it might backfire on them. So, uh, I thought that was interesting. So, John, uh, you did a little research into some other states about how they're taxed. So what what did you find out? You know, Idaho's we just saw what Idaho is taxing theirs. Seems like a a uh, little bit high rates but is there worse rates out there?
1: Yeah, so I knew uh, Washington is around 8 8 bucks. I think Oregon is in the 2s. Oh wow. Um, and that's just flat. It doesn't matter how much you're making or not making. Um but I that 13.95 seemed really high to me. So I started poking around, and uh, there are some higher ones. So South Carolina is twenty (laughs) three dollars and eighty point eight cents, which is really high. And
0: and that doesn't matter what the alcohol level is. Just by every barrel gets no. I think
1: it's just flat. Yeah. Um. And Alabama, Alaska check in at thirty three dollars and seventeen cents. Wow. Per barrel, which is that's a lot. Huge. That's that's a lot. Uh. But. Not to be outdone, Tennessee ranks in at $39.89. <laughs> Ouch. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. Uh so just to to go complete opposite direction, um Wisconsin um first 50,000 barrels a okay. dollar per barrel. Uh, and really? after that, $2. Oh, <laughs> I like Wisconsin. That's pretty, uh, that's a good place to open a brewery. Yeah, I think that was the cheapest I saw as I was flipping through. <laughs> um, but yeah, whew. Oh, excuse me. No, Wyoming, uh, 57 cents per oh, barrel.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now I know why uh, Melvin Brewing opened up in Wyoming.
1: <laughs> yeah. Why are they open up in uh, Washington now? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. just, Ship it all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, hey, I th- I don't know. I thought that was interesting just to learn about some of the taxing that goes on with beer. And if you guys in in your states, if you know what you what what they get taxed, let us know. You know. Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, or email us and let us know what your state, how your taxes do, and let us know if any legislation's going through in your state to change it, and whether or not it it w- it went for the positive and didn't backfire and, and actually charge you more. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think, uh, Wisconsin and Wyoming are the places to be for opening a brewery. If you want to save money on tax, that, that seems like a good, good deal. Yeah. All right, John, guess what time it is. It is time to bring the show to a close, but before we do that, it's always our pleasure to go ahead and give a toast to some of our friends. So John, who would you like
1: to give a toast to tonight? So I'm going to toast, uh, buddy Wes, uh, and his, his new wife, Kristen. Uh, they just bought their first house together. Oh, so,
0: nice. Uh, thank
1: you guys. And, uh, enjoyed, I hope you enjoyed moving weekend this weekend. Oh. <laughs> and, and had a, had a beer or two uh, after all the work. So.
0: Yes. Yes. For sure. For sure. Well, congratulations to you, Wes and Kristen, for, for buying your first house together. That's fantastic. Start your new lives off on a, on a new journey and a new house. That's yeah. perfect. So I'm, I'm sure next, uh, you'll, you'll be in that house and you'll, you'll start your family. Uh, should be coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I, I have a toast too. I want to give out not to, to someone buying a new house, but to my, my favorite farmer, Mr. Josh Laney out there in, in central Washington, farming away all those fields. He, uh, he's always trying. He's got a quest to find something craft. And he's trying to find it in things in other than beer, and he's he's really going for the ciders. And he he and I uh, you know he'll he'll text me something on my phone with a picture of a cider or a hard lemonade or something, and say, hey, is this close to craft? Just to just to kind of rib me a little bit, and I joke back with him, and I have a good time. I just want to say, hey, thanks, Josh, for making me laugh, and keep trying. Uh, eventually, you are gonna get craft. And just uh, have your brother help you. I know he'll help you, Mr. Matt Laney. And you guys are always welcome to come to Boise. And if you need help finding craft, I've got craft here. Both cider and beer, I'm sure that we'll be able to find something you'll enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm looking forward. I mean, Matt Matt, uh, uh, mentioned something a week ago or so about making make making his way down here to to drink beer with me and try some of the great craft beer we have in Boise so I'm hoping that he's you know he and Josh can can find time to do that just for a weekend maybe and and we'll have a good time It'll be good all right I also just want to raise my glass to all the servicemen and women out there I want to thank you for your service and I want you to come home uh, very quickly and safely to your families as soon as possible and of course we can't forget to mention our tasting notes segment for next episode. We are going to go we're going to go travel across the world over into Belgium and we're going to go and try a Belgian beer, another beer. It's going to be the Chimay Blue, the Grand Reserve, the uh, Belgian dark strong ale. Is that correct, John? Belgian dark strong ale?
1: Yes. Yes. And I believe this is uh one of uh, Wes's favorite beers. Oh,
0: uh, excellent. So, Wes, we expect you to drink along with us, and as John and I describe what we're tasting, we hope you can describe the same. And if not, write into us and tell us how wrong we were because we are all about uh, hearing back from you guys. So, hey, go out there and pick up one of these small bottles and drink along with us on episode 60. Well, you can find... The beers and the link to the articles that we mentioned on the show in the show notes, and they are located on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you would like to follow us on social media, I personally can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can our listeners follow you?
1: On Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped Prime WA, and uh, someday. There's going to be stuff on (laughs) homebrewengineer.com.
0: All right. That sounds great. Well, it is last call, and it's time to bring our show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. Hey, we ask you to please tell a friend about our show. And, of course, have you and him or her subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn Radio or Google Play or however you listen to podcasts. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers.